chapter seven part one of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven part one general st clair appointed commander-in-chief the president makes a tour through the southern states meeting of congress president's speech debate on the bill for apportioning representatives militia law defeat of st clair opposition to the increase of the army report of the secretary of the treasury for raising additional supplies congress adjourns strictures on the conduct of administration with the view of parties disagreement between the secretaries of state and treasury letters from general washington opposition to the excise law president's proclamation insurrection and massacre in the island of st domingo general wayne appointed to the command of the army meeting of congress president's speech resolutions implicating the secretary of the treasury rejected congress adjourns progress of the french revolution and its effects on parties in the united states seventeen ninety one general st clair appointed commander-in-chief of the army more ample means for the protection of the frontiers having been placed in the hands of the executive the immediate attention of the president was directed to this interesting object major-general arthur st clair governor of the territory northwest of the ohio was appointed commander-in-chief of the forces to be employed in the meditated expedition this gentleman had served through the war of the revolution with reputation though it had never been his fortune to distinguish himself the evacuation of ticonderoga had indeed at one time subjected him to much public censure but it was found upon inquiry to be unmerited other motives in addition to the persuasion of his fitness for the service conduced to his appointment with the sword the olive branch was still to be tendered and it was thought advisable to place them in the same hands the governor having been made officially the negotiator with the tribes inhabiting the territories over which he presided being a military man acquainted with the country into which the war was to be carried possessing considerable influence with the inhabitants of the frontiers and being so placed as to superintend the preparations for the expedition advantageously seemed to have claims to the station which were not to be overlooked it was also a consideration of some importance that the high rank he had held in the american army would obviate those difficulties in filling the inferior grades with men of experience which might certainly be expected should a person who had acted in a less elevated station be selected for the chief command tomb of mary mother of washington this is the original monument as it appeared before the present granite obelisk was erected over the grave of george washington's mother in fredericksburg virginia it was in fredericksburg that she made her home during her declining years and it was on the kenmore estate of her daughter elizabeth and son-in-law fielding lewis that she was buried september seventeen eighty nine having survived her husband augustine washington forty-six years the president makes a tour through the southern states after making the necessary arrangements for recruiting the army the president prepared to make his long-contemplated tour through the southern states 
in passing through them he was received universally with the same marks of affectionate attachment which he had experienced in the northern and central parts of the union to the sensibilities which these demonstrations of the regard and esteem of good men could not fail to inspire was added the high gratification produced by observing the rapid improvements of the country and the advances made by the government in acquiring the confidence of the people the numerous letters written by him after his return to philadelphia attest the agreeable impressions made by these causes in my late tour through the southern states said he in a letter of the twenty eighth of july to mr governor morris i experienced great satisfaction in seeing the good effects of the general government in that part of the union the people at large have felt the security which it gives and the equal justice which it administers to them the farmer the merchant and the mechanic have seen their several interests attended to and from thence they unite in placing a confidence in their representatives as well as in those in whose hands the execution of the laws is placed industry has there taken place of idleness and economy of dissipation two or three years of good crops and a ready market for the produce of their lands have put every one in good humour and in some instances they even impute to the government what is due only to the goodness of providence the establishment of public credit is an immense point gained in our national concerns this i believe exceeds the expectation of the most sanguine among us and a late instance unparalleled in this country has been given of the confidence reposed in our measures by the rapidity with which the subscriptions to the bank of the united states were filled in two hours after the books were opened by the commissioners the whole number of shares was taken up and four thousand more applied for than were allowed by the institution this circumstance was not only pleasing as it related to the confidence in government but also as it exhibited an unexpected proof of the resources of our citizens this visit had undoubtedly some tendency to produce the good disposition which the president observed with so much pleasure the affections are perhaps more intimately connected with the judgment than we are disposed to admit and the appearance of the chief magistrate of the union who was the object of general love and reverence could not be without its influence in conciliating the minds of many to the government he administered and to its measures but this progress towards conciliation was perhaps less considerable than was indicated by appearances the hostility to the government which was coeval with its existence though diminished was far from being subdued and under this smooth exterior was concealed a mass of discontent which though it did not obtrude itself on the view of the man who united almost all hearts was active in its exertions to effect its objects the difficulties which must impede the recruiting service in a country where coercion is not employed and where the common wages of labour greatly exceed the pay of a soldier protracted the completion of the regiments to a late season of the year but the summer was not permitted to waste in total inaction the act passed at the last session for the defence of the frontiers in addition to its other provisions had given to the president an unlimited power to call mounted militia into the field under this authority two expeditions had been conducted against the villages on the wabash in which a few of the indian warriors were killed some of their old men women and children
were made prisoners and several of their towns and fields of corn were destroyed the first was led by general scott in may and the second by general wilkinson in september these desultory incursions had not much influence on the war it was believed in the united states that the hostility of the indians was kept up by the traders living in their villages these persons had generally resided in the united states and having been compelled to leave the country in consequence of the part they had taken during the war of the revolution felt the resentments which banishment and confiscation seldom failed to inspire their enmities were ascribed by many perhaps unjustly to the temper of the government in canada but some countenance seemed to be given to this opinion by intelligence that about the commencement of the preceding campaign large supplies of ammunition had been delivered from the british posts on the lakes to the indians at war with the united states while the president was on his southern tour he addressed a letter to the secretary of state to be communicated to colonel beckwith who still remained in philadelphia as the informal representative of his nation in which he expressed his surprise and disappointment at this interference by the servants or subjects of a foreign state in a war prosecuted by the united states for the sole purpose of procuring peace and safety for the inhabitants of their frontiers on receiving this communication colonel beckwith expressed his disbelief that the supplies mentioned had been delivered but on being assured of the fact he avowed the opinion that the transaction was without the knowledge of lord dorchester to whom he said he should communicate without delay the ideas of the american government on the subject meeting of congress president's speech on the twenty fourth of october the second congress assembled in philadelphia in his speech at the opening of the session the president expressed his great satisfaction at the prosperous situation of the country and particularly mentioned the rapidity with which the shares in the bank of the united states were subscribed as among the striking and pleasing evidences which presented themselves not only of confidence in the government but of resources in the community adverting to the measures which have been taken in execution of the laws and resolutions of the last session the most important of which he observed respected the defence and security of the western frontiers he had he said negotiated provisional treaties and used other proper means to attach the wavering and to confirm in their friendship the well-disposed tribes of indians the means which he had adopted for a pacification with those of a hostile description having proved unsuccessful offensive operations have been directed some of which had proved completely successful and others were still pending overtures of peace were still continued to the deluded tribes and it was sincerely to be desired that all need of coercion might cease and that an intimate intercourse might succeed calculated to advance the happiness of the indians and to attach them firmly to the united states in marking the line of conduct which ought to be maintained for the promotion of this object he strongly recommended justice to the savages and such rational experiments for imparting to them the blessings of civilization as might from time to time suit their condition and then concluded this subject with saying a system corresponding with the mild principles of religion and philanthropy towards an unenlightened race of men whose happiness materially depends on the conduct of the united states would be as honourable to the national character as conformable to the dictates of sound policy after stating that 
measures have been taken for carrying into execution the act laying duties on distilled spirits he added the impressions with which this law has been received by the community have been upon the whole such as were to have been expected among enlightened and well-disposed citizens from the propriety and necessity of the measure the novelty however of the tax in a considerable part of the united states and a misconception of some of its provisions have given occasion in particular places to some degree of discontent but it is satisfactory to know that this disposition yields to proper explanations and more just apprehensions of the true nature of the law and i entertain a full confidence that it will in all give way to motives which arise out of a just sense of duty and a virtuous regard to the public welfare if there are any circumstances in the law which consistently with its main design may be so varied as to remove any well-intentioned objections that may happen to exist it will comport with a wise moderation to make the proper variations it is desirable on all occasions to unite with a steady and firm adherence to constitutional and necessary acts of government the fullest evidence of a disposition as far as may be practicable to consult the wishes of every part of the community and to lay the foundations of the public administration in the affections of the people the answers of the two houses noticed briefly and generally the various topics of the speech and though perhaps less warm than those of the preceding congress manifested great respect for the executive magistrate and an undiminished confidence in his patriotic exertions to promote the public interests debate on the bill for apportioning representatives among the people of the states according to the first enumeration among the first subjects of importance which engaged the attention of the legislature was a bill for apportioning representatives among the people of the several states according to the first enumeration the constitution in its original form had affixed no other limits to the power of congress over the numbers of which the house of representatives might consist than that there should not be more than one member for every thirty thousand persons but that each state should be entitled to at least one independent of the general considerations in favor of a more or less numerous representation in the popular branch of the legislature there was one of a local nature whose operation though secret was extensive which gave to this question a peculiar interest to whatever number of persons a representative might be allotted there would still remain a fraction which would be greater or less in each state according to the ratio which congress should adopt between representation and population the relative power of states in one branch of the legislature would consequently be affected by this ratio and to questions of that description few members can permit themselves to be inattentive this bill as originally introduced into the house of representatives gave to each state one member for every thirty thousand persons on a motion to strike out the number thirty thousand the debate turned chiefly on the policy and advantage of a more or less numerous house of representatives but with the general arguments suggested by the subject strong and pointed allusions to the measures of the preceding congress were interspersed which indicated much more serious hostility to the administration than had hitherto been expressed speaking of the corruption which he supposed to exist in the british house of commons mr giles said that causes essentially different from their numbers had produced this effect among these were the frequent mortgages of the funds and the immense appropriations at the disposal of the executive an inequality of circumstances he observed produces revolutions in governments from democracy to aristocracy and monarchy great wealth produces a desire of distinctions rank and titles 
the revolutions of property in this country have created a prodigious inequality of circumstances government has contributed to this inequality the bank of the united states is a most important machine in promoting the objects of this moneyed interest this bank will be the most powerful engine to corrupt this house some of the members are directors of this institution and it will only be by increasing the representation that an adequate barrier can be opposed to this moneyed interest he next adverted to certain ideas which he said had been disseminated through the united states the legislature he took occasion to observe ought to express some disapprobation of these opinions the strong executive of this government he added ought to be balanced by a full representation in this house similar sentiments were advanced by mr findlay after a long and animated discussion the amendment was lost and the bill passed in its original form in the senate it was amended by changing the ratio so as to give one representative for every thirty-three thousand persons in each state but this amendment was disagreed to by the house of representatives and each house adhering to its opinion the bill fell but was again introduced into the house of representatives under a different title and in a new form though without any change in its substantial provisions after a debate in which the injustice of the fractions produced by the ratio it adopted was strongly pressed it passed that house in the senate it was again amended not by reducing but by enlarging the number of representatives the constitution of the united states declares that representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers and that the number of representatives shall not exceed one for every thirty thousand but each state shall have at least one representative construing the constitution to authorize a process by which the whole number of representatives should be ascertained on the whole population of the united states and afterwards apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers the senate applied the number thirty thousand as a divisor to the total population and taking the quotient which was one hundred and twenty as the number of representatives given by the ratio which had been adopted in the house where the bill had originated they apportioned that number among the several states by that ratio until as many representatives as it would give were allotted to each the residuary members were then distributed among the states having the highest fractions without professing the principle on which this apportionment was made the amendment of the senate merely allotted to the states respectively the number of members which the process just mentioned would give the result was a more equitable apportionment of representatives to population and had the rule of construing that instrument been correct the amendment removed objections which were certainly well founded but the rule was novel and overturned opinions which had been generally assumed and were supposed to be settled in one branch of the legislature it had already been rejected and in the other the majority in its favor was only one in the house of representatives the amendment was supported with considerable ingenuity after an earnest debate however it was disagreed to and a conference took place without producing an accommodation among the members composing the committee but finally the house of representatives receded from their disagreement and by a majority of two voices the bill passed as amended in the senate on the president the solemn duty of deciding whether an act of the legislature consisted with the constitution for the bill of constitutional was unexceptionable in his cabinet also a difference of opinion is understood to have existed the secretary of state and the attorney-general were of opinion that the act was at variance with the constitution the secretary of war was rather undecided and the secretary of the treasury thinking that from the vagueness of expression in the clause relating to the subject neither construction could be absolutely rejected was in favor of acceding to the interpretation given by the legislature 
after weighing the arguments which were urged on each side of the question the president was confirmed in the opinion that the population of each state and not the total population of the united states must give the numbers to which alone the process by which the number of representatives was to be ascertained could be applied having formed this opinion to a correct and independent mind the course to be pursued was a plain one duty required the exercise of a power which a president of the united states will always find much difficulty in employing and he returned the bill to the house in which it originated accompanied with his objections to it in observance of the forms prescribed in the constitution the question was then taken on its passage by eyes and nose and it was rejected a third bill was soon afterwards introduced apportioning the representatives on the several states at a ratio of one for every thirty-three thousand persons in each state which passed into a law thus was this interesting part of the american constitution finally settled militia law during this session of congress an act passed for establishing a uniform militia the president had manifested from the commencement of his administration a peculiar degree of solicitude on this subject and had repeatedly urged it on congress in his speech at the opening of the present session he again called the attention of the legislature to it and at length the law was enacted which though less efficacious than the plan reported by the secretary of war will probably not soon be carried into complete execution defeat of st clair in december intelligence was received by the president and immediately communicated to congress that the american army had been totally defeated on the fourth of the preceding month although the most prompt and judicious measures had been taken to raise the troops and to march them to the frontiers they could not be assembled in the neighborhood of fort washington until the month of september nor was the establishment even then completed the immediate objects of the expedition were to destroy the indian villages on the miamis to expel the savages from that country and to connect it with the ohio by a chain of posts which would prevent their return during the war on the seventh of september the regulars moved from their camp in the vicinity of fort washington and marching directly north towards the object of their destination established two intermediate posts at the distance of rather more than forty miles from each other as places of deposit and of security either for convoys of provision which might follow the army or for the army itself should any disaster befall it the last of these works fort jefferson was not completed until the twenty fourth of october before which time reinforcements were received of about three hundred and sixty militia after placing garrisons in the forts the effective number of the army including militia amounted to rather less than two thousand men with this force the general continued his march which was rendered both slow and laborious by the necessity of opening a road small parties of indians were frequently seen hovering about them and some unimportant skirmishes took place as the army approached the country in which they might expect to meet an enemy about sixty of the militia deserted in a body this diminution of force was not in itself an object of much concern but there was reason to fear that the example should those who set it be permitted to escape with impunity would be extensively followed and it was reported to be the intention of the deserters to plunder convoys of provisions which were advancing at some distance in the rear to prevent mischiefs of so serious a nature the general detached major hamtrank with the first regiment in pursuit of the deserters and directed him to secure the provisions under a strong guard the army consisting of about fourteen hundred effective rank-and-file continued its march and on the third of november encamped about fifteen miles south of the miami's villages the right wing under the command of general butler formed the first line and lay with a creek about twelve yards wide immediately in its front the left wing commanded by lieutenant colonel dark 
formed the second and between the two lines was an interval of about seventy yards the right flank was supposed to be secured by the creek by a steep bank and by a small body of troops the left was covered by a party of cavalry and by piquets the militia crossed the creek and advanced about a quarter of a mile in front where they also encamped in two lines on their approach a few indians who had shown themselves on the opposite side of the creek fled with precipitation at this place the general intended to throw up a slight work for the security of the baggage and after being joined by major hamtrank to march as unencumbered and as expeditiously as possible to the villages he proposed to destroy in both these designs he was anticipated about half an hour before sunrise the next morning just after the troops had been dismissed from the parade an unexpected attack was made upon the militia who fled in the utmost confusion and rushing into camp through the first line of continental troops which had been formed the instant the first gun was discharged threw them too into disorder the exertions of the officers to restore order were not entirely successful the indians pressed close upon the heels of the flying militia and engaged general butler with great intrepidity the action instantly became extremely warm and the fire of the assailants passing round both flanks of the first line was in a few minutes poured with equal fury on the rear division its greatest weight was directed against the centre of each wing where the artillery was posted and the artillerists were mowed down in great numbers firing from the ground and from the shelter which the woods afforded the assailants were scarcely seen but when springing from one cover to another in which manner they advanced close up to the american lines and to the very mouths of the field pieces they fought with the daring courage of men whose trade is war and who are stimulated by all those passions which can impel the savage mind to vigorous exertions under circumstances thus arduous raw troops may be expected to exhibit that inequality which is found in human nature while some of the american soldiers performed their duty with the utmost resolution others seemed dismayed and terrified of this conduct the officers were as usual the victims with the fearlessness which the occasion required they exposed themselves to the most imminent dangers and in their efforts to change the face of affairs fell in great numbers for several days the commander-in-chief had been afflicted with a severe disease under which he still laboured and which must have greatly affected him but though unable to display that activity which would have been useful in this severe conflict neither the feebleness of his body nor the peril of his situation could prevent his delivering his orders with judgment and with self-possession it was soon perceived that the american fire could produce on a concealed enemy no considerable effect and that the only hope of victory was placed in the bayonet at the head of the second regiment which formed the left of the left wing lieutenant colonel dark made an impetuous charge upon the enemy forced them from their ground with some loss and drove them about four hundred yards he was followed by that whole wing but the want of a sufficient number of riflemen to press this advantage deprived him of the benefit which ought to have been derived from this effort and as soon as he gave over the pursuit the indians renewed their attack in the meantime general butler was mortally wounded the left of the right wing was broken the artillerists almost to a man killed the guns seized and the camp penetrated by the enemy with his own regiment and with the battalions commanded by majors butler and clark dark was ordered again to charge with the bayonet these orders were executed with intrepidity and momentary success the indians were driven out of the camp and the artillery recovered but while they were pressed in one point by the bravest of the american troops their fire was kept up from every other with fatal effect several times particular corps charged them always with partial success but no universal effort could be made and in every charge a great loss of officers was sustained the consequences of which were severely felt 
instead of keeping their ranks and executing the orders which were given a great proportion of the soldiers flocked together in crowds and were shot down without resistance to save the remnant of his army was all that remained to be done and about half-past nine in the morning general st clair ordered lieutenant colonel dark with the second regiment to charge a body of indians who had intercepted their retreat and to gain the road major clark with his battalion was directed to cover the rear these orders were executed and a disorderly flight commenced the pursuit was kept up about four miles when fortunately for the surviving americans that avidity for plunder which is a ruling passion among savages called back the victorious indians to the camp where the spoils of their vanquished foes were to be divided the routed troops continued their flight to fort jefferson a distance of about thirty miles throwing away their arms on the road at this place they met major hamtrank with the first regiment and a council of war was called to deliberate on the course to be pursued as this regiment was far from restoring the strength of the morning it was determined not to attempt to retrieve the fortune of the day and leaving the wounded at fort jefferson the army continued its retreat to fort washington in this disastrous battle the loss on the part of the americans was very great when compared with the numbers engaged thirty-eight commissioned officers were killed upon the field and five hundred and ninety-three non-commissioned officers and privates were slain and missing twenty-one commissioned officers several of whom afterwards died of their wounds and two hundred and forty-two non-commissioned officers and privates were wounded among the dead was the brave and much lamented general butler this gallant officer had served through the war of the revolution and had on more than one occasion distinguished himself in a remarkable manner in the list of those who shared his fate were the names of many other excellent officers who had participated in all the toils the dangers and the glory of that long conflict which terminated in the independence of their country at the head of the list of wounded were lieutenant colonels gibson and dark major butler and adjutant general sergeant all of whom were veteran officers of great merit who displayed their accustomed bravery on this unfortunate day general st clair in his official letter observed the loss the public has sustained by the fall of so many officers particularly of general butler and major ferguson cannot be too much regretted but it is a circumstance that will alleviate the misfortune in some measure that all of them fell most gallantly doing their duty from the weight of the fire and the circumstance of this being attacked nearly at the same time in front and rear general st clair was of opinion that he was overpowered by numbers the intelligence afterwards collected would make the indian force to consist of from one thousand to fifteen hundred warriors of their loss no estimate could be made the probability is that it bore no proportion to that sustained by the american army nothing could be more unexpected than this severe disaster the public had confidently anticipated a successful campaign and could not believe that the general who had been unfortunate had not been culpable seventeen ninety two the commander-in-chief requested with earnestness that a court-martial should sit on his conduct but this request could not be granted because the army did not furnish a sufficient number of officers of a grade to form a court for his trial on military principle late in the session a committee of the house of representatives was appointed to inquire into the cause of the failure of the expedition whose report in explicit terms exculpated the commander-in-chief this inquiry however was instituted rather for the purpose of investigating the conduct of civil than of military officers and was not conducted by military men more satisfactory testimony is in favour of st clair is furnished by the circumstance that he still retained the undiminished esteem and good opinion of the president the indian war now assumed a still more serious aspect there was reason to fear that the hostile tribes would derive a great accession of strength from the impression which their success would make upon their neighbours and the reputation of the government was deeply concerned in retrieving the fortune of its arms and affording protections to its citizens the president therefore 
lost no time in causing the estimates for a competent force to be prepared and laid before congress in conformity with a report made by the secretary of war a bill was brought into the house of representatives directing three additional regiments of infantry and a squadron of cavalry to be raised to serve for three years if not sooner discharged the whole military establishment if completed would amount to about five thousand men the additional regiments however were to be disbanded as soon as peace should be concluded with the indians and the president was authorized to discharge or to forbear to raise any part of them in case events should in his judgment render his so doing consistent with the public safety opposition to the increase of the army this bill met with great opposition a motion was made to strike out the section which authorized an augmentation of force by those who argued in favor of the motion the justice of the war was arraigned and the practicability of obtaining peace at a much less expense than would be incurred in its further prosecution was urged with vehemence an extension of the present frontier was said not to be desirable and if the citizens of the united states were recalled within their proper boundaries hostilities would cease at any rate it was an idle waste of blood and treasure to carry the war beyond the line of forts already established it was only exposing their arms to disgrace betraying their own weakness and lessening the public confidence in the government to send forth armies to be butchered in the forests while the british were suffered to keep possession of posts within the territory of the united states to this cause was to be ascribed any disposition which might exist on the part of the indians to continue hostilities and to its removal the efforts of the government ought to be directed but admitting the war to have been just in its commencement and its continuance to be required by the honor and interest of the nation yet as an invasion of the indian country ought not to be attempted this augmentation of the military establishment could not be necessary regular troops could only be useful as garrisons for posts to which the militia might resort for protection or supplies experience had proved that the sudden desultory attacks of the frontier militia and rangers were productive of more valuable consequences than the methodical operations of a regular force but should it even be conceded that invasion and conquest were to be contemplated the existing establishment if completed would be sufficiently great and it was still insisted that even for the purposes of conquest the frontier militia were superior to any regulars whatever the expense of such an army as the bill contemplated was said to be an object worthy of serious attention and members were requested to observe the progress of this business and to say where it would stop at first only a single regiment had been raised and the expense was about one hundred thousand dollars a second was afterwards added which swelled the expense to three hundred thousand and now a standing force of five thousand one hundred and sixty eight men is contemplated at an annual expense of above a million and a quarter they were preparing to squander away money by millions and no one except those who were in the secrets of the cabinet knew why the war had been thus carried on for three years against the motion for striking out it was urged that the justice of the war could not be questioned by any man who would allow that self-preservation and indispensable necessity could furnish sufficient motives for taking up arms it was proved by unquestionable documents that from the year seventeen eighty three to seventeen ninety there had been not less than fifteen hundred persons either the inhabitants of kentucky or emigrants on their way to that country who had been massacred by the savages or dragged into captivity and there was reason to believe that on the frontiers of virginia and of pennsylvania the murdered and the prisoners would furnish a list almost equally numerous the conciliatory disposition of the government was stated and its repeated efforts to obtain a peace were enumerated it was particularly observed that in seventeen ninety when a treaty was proposed at the miami's villages the indians at first refused to retreat they next required thirty days to deliberate this request was acceded to and in the interim offensive operations were expressly prohibited by the president 
yet notwithstanding this forbearance on the part of the whites not less than one hundred and twenty persons were killed and captured by the savages and several prisoners were roasted alive during that short period at the expiration of which the indians refused to give any answer to the proposition which had been made to them but it was now too late to inquire into the justice of the principles on which the war was originally undertaken the nation was involved in it and could not recede without exposing many innocent persons to be butchered by the enemy should the government determine to discontinue the war would the indians also consent to a cessation of hostilities the government could not without impeachment both of its justice and humanity abandoned the inhabitants of the frontiers to the rage of their savage enemies and although the excise might be unpopular although money might still be wanted what was the excise what was money when put in competition with the lives of their friends and brethren a sufficient force must be raised for their defence and the only question was what that force should be the calculations of the best informed men were in favour of employing an army not inferior to that proposed in the bill when the known attachment of indians to war and plunder was adverted to and the excitements to that attachment which were furnished by the trophies acquired in the last two campaigns were considered no man would venture to pronounce with confidence how extensive the combination against the united states might become or what numbers they would have to encounter it certainly behooved them to prepare in time for a much more vigorous effort than had hitherto been made the objections drawn from the increased expense which such an effort would require must entirely vanish before the eyes of any man who looks forward to the consequences of another unsuccessful campaign such a disaster would eventually involve the nation in much greater expense than that which is now made the ground of opposition better therefore is it to make at once a vigorous and effectual exertion to bring the contest to a close than to continue gradually draining the treasury by dragging on the war and renewing hostility from year to year the supporters of the bill also appealed to experience for the superiority of regular troops over militia in accomplishing all the purposes even of indian war and those arguments were urged in favour of this theory which the subject readily suggests the motion for striking out the section was lost and the bill was carried for the augmentation of force required by the executive the treasury was not in a condition to meet the demands upon it which the increased expenses of the war would unavoidably occasion and sources of additional revenue were to be explored a select committee to whom this subject was referred brought in a resolution directing the secretary of the treasury to report his opinion to the house on the best mode of raising those additional supplies which the public service might require for the current year this proposition gave rise to a very animated debate it will be recollected that when the act for establishing the treasury department was under consideration the clause which rendered it the duty of the secretary to digest and report plans for the improvement and management of the revenue and for the support of public credit was earnestly opposed a large majority however was in favour of the principle and after being so modified as only to admit a report if required by the house it was retained in the bill in complying with the various resolutions of congress calling for reports on subjects connected with his department the secretary had submitted plans which having been profoundly considered were well digested and accompanied by arguments the force of which it was difficult to resist his measures were generally supported by a majority of congress and while the high credit of the united states was believed to attest their wisdom the masterly manner in which his reports were drawn contributed to raise still higher that reputation for great talents which he had long possessed to the further admission of these reports it was determined on this occasion to make a vigorous resistance but the opposition was not successful on taking the question the resolution was carried thirty-one members voting in its favor and twenty-seven against it End of chapter seven part one